Hey everybody, happy Thursday. Welcome to the Podcast Daily. That is Bill Landis. That is Jeremy Birmingham. And I am Austin Ward. We are getting ready. We're pumping in the crowd noise out here. You might not be able to hear it because Berm has these mics just fine-tuned. Also, it's not that loud. Oh, it's not that loud. That's right. You have to subtly tweak the volume. Like, make sure that you get it for 28,000 Michigan State fans. The Buckeyes are two days away uh, from their Big Ten road debut this season uh, against those Spartans. We will be there. And we were thinking, should we talk to somebody from Michigan State or is this too much like Rutgers? And we decided if the spread is 24 or above, you're out. That's a good rule of thumb, actually. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's the number? That's the magic number, 24? Yeah. So we'll talk to someone when they play Penn State. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, <laughs> that sounds right. Maybe. I don't know. We'll figure it out as we go. We just made that rule up today because we thought we would just stick to the Buckeyes again as they get ready to play Michigan State. And Berm, the question that we got asked more than any on Wednesday as we started preparing for the podcast daily on Thursday was, where are all these coaches going to go? They're such... They're such coveted commodities. They're going all around the country, and Ryan Day definitely won't be able to keep them all together, right? Yeah. Uh, are you talking about on the off week when they go on the road recruiting? Yeah. But yeah. Not really. Those guys will be all over the place <laughs> next week, um, for sure. That wasn't what we got asked about. I think that you know we're at a point in time when it seems to me like Ohio State, more than any other program in the country, has rumors about its coaches being poached or going somewhere else as though they're all un- they're all incapable of being happy in Columbus. <laughs> like, I don't understand it. Um, it's weird. It, it's I don't see Alabama assistants' names. I, mean, I guess Bill O'Brien's name pops up for head coaching jobs, but he was a head coach before and a head coach in the NFL. And when you go to work for Nick Saban, you know you're going there for just an, a rehab stint. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, Literally for Sark. The, the, <laughs> oh, boy. The... Uh, the the vibe that we get around here is that all these coaches are pretty focused on this season and winning a national championship. I'm not saying nobody could ever decide to look elsewhere. I don't think Brian Hartline is one of those guys that's ever spending any time looking for like greener pastures right now. So I, I don't know where a lot of that stuff comes from, but it's the, it's the way this world is right now. I mean, it's uh, it's out there. Is it like, or is it boredom? Like what, what is it? Like Maybe. Ohio State's winning by too many points. Let's, start talking about some stuff that's not even like remotely true. I, I don't, I don't get it. Like I, I think some of these guys like should be hot commodities uh, when the coaching uh, carousel really starts spinning. I'm not sure that it has just yet, unless one of these guys wants to go coach at Nebraska or, or Wisconsin, <laughs> which seems unlikely. So um, it's, it's not a, it's not a conversation that is not worth having. It's just not worth having in hey. the first week of October when there's, how many games are left? I'm, I'm bad at math. Yeah, seven, seven regular season seven. games plus you know whatever they do after that. Then maybe a few after yeah. that. So that I don't. That this that these conversations I guess can happen at this time of year, but I don't believe they're happening right now. It was, it was strange to me that it was posited that a team that hasn't even fired an offensive coordinator would be trying to reach through back channels to get to Ohio State's passing game coordinator. Um, That's Brian Hartline. Yeah, and that was Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame as well. Um, if we're just going to put all that out there and talk about it, multiple sources with direct knowledge of the situation refuted any suggestion that Brian Hartline would be interested hypothetically in that position. Now, obviously things change, but Brian Hartline has been pretty, himself publicly on the record, been pretty consistent that he has no desire to leave his alma mater 
at some point, I think it's possible that he does. I don't think it would be for an offensive coordinator job competing essentially head-to-head against Ohio State. If Brian Hartline were to leave his alma mater in a job that's paying him just under a million dollars a year right now. And will be over a million by next by this time yeah, next year. Uh, you know, that I think would be at the NFL level. Yeah, um, and I think, you know, I, I was also asked about this uh, on Dotting the Eyes, part of the Rivals Network on our message board on the Horseshoe Lounge about, well, what does his future look like then? Would he take a head coaching job this offseason? I think it's important to remember how young into his career he really is. His resume as a coach is pretty small. We know he's had overwhelming success as a position coach. He is one of the best recruiters in the country. But I don't think there are many athletic directors, certainly not talking about the Power 5 level, which would it would have to be to even remotely offer him a raise over what he's getting here. That's like, well, we got to get Brian Hartline right now before he's ever been a true coordinator, before he's had five years of, of uh, experience in the industry. I just don't, I'm not sure where that part's coming from. Is He's going to be a coach at a higher level at some point. Yeah. His desire is for that to be here. And, and that's certainly his family's desire and, and Ryan Day's desire and the Ohio State receiver's room desire. I think that this conversation and, you know, Tony Alford's the other name who just will stop dancing around issues, I guess. He was specifically mentioned um, a few times, not just even on Wednesday, but even I think Pete, Pete, Thamel, Sunday, yeah. Pete Thamel mentioned him as a potential candidate for the job at Colorado. And now I don't know why. I mean, I know Tony is a guy that people covet around the country. That he's a great recruiter, a good relationship builder, a guy that's been at Ohio State now for seven years. And, and you start to wonder, like, what's the timeline for an assistant coach around here? But Colorado, Wisconsin, Nebraska, these schools are not – firing their head coach after five games to hire a guy who's not been a coordinator anywhere, let alone a guy that's not been a head coach somewhere. You're firing a a guy this early so that you can get a head start on Lance Leopold at Kansas or um, whoever the other hot, you know, the guys around the country. Matt Rule. Matt Rule, Coastal Carolina's coach, whoever his name is. Jamie Chadwell. You know, there's guys out there that are, 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 going to be a hotter commodities. The Matt Campbells of the world that constantly get brought up. Tony Alford will be a head coach someday. I just, it's not going to be at Colorado. Uh, and it's not going to be this, you know, it's not, it's not what we're talking about right now. Like it's just not. <laughs> Maybe it'll be at Colorado state after this most recent. Wrong decision. And, and I mean, I honestly, <laughs> Colorado state, you have a fourth opportunity to get it right at some point. I honestly think that's why he's being linked to the Colorado job is just to be like, ah, Screw you, Colorado State. Colorado State is Tony Alford's uh, alma mater, America, and uh, he he has been linked to that job multiple times. I think not just the, not just linked. He's interviewed for right. that job multiple times. Each of the last three off seasons, I think, when they've fired a coach, that's right. The last three years, um, well, it hasn't but, been three years in a row. But well, three out of the last it has four, happened right? three times. Three out of the last four years, yeah. or something like that. So he, but he's still here, and I think he's saying, "Hey, I'll I'll take the job at Colorado if uh, if it means a double bird to the old alma mater who's passed him up three times." But Either way, it's sort of moot and irrelevant to talk about today. And sounds like a good podcast topic. <laughs> these things, I'd, hey, yeah. I'd like to talk to Tony about that. <laughs> these, yeah. the, these things get brought up right now, and all it does is have like a weird negative impact on recruiting. That it requires people to answer questions that are not really questions at on October sixth. I've actually wondered that, and, and Berm, you're the right person to ask because you're much closer to a lot of these recruitments than Austin and I typically are. When stuff like this happens. 
how big of a deal is it in, like, in conversations? It's a big recruits? deal, especially when you're talking about Tony Alford. Obviously, he's a, the running backs coach here. He's only recruiting one guy in this class. That guy's been committed for seven months to a school that is 20 minutes down the road from him that has a first-year head coach that's trying to build a program. If you don't think that school is immediately getting wind of that sort of rumor, uh, and even on Sunday, as soon as they see Pete Thamel put a, a, out a tweet that says Tony Alford is on this list, they are calling him saying, oh, there you go. Your guy's leaving. How can you trust him? How, how can you trust this guy? He wants to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, you. that's what they should do, obviously. that's It's not negative recruiting. It's just using what is, is out in the ether. But it certainly has an impact. Brian Hartline has already been dealing with you know, rumors about Carnell Tate flipping to Tennessee or, uh, you know, Noah Rogers flipping and staying home and going to NC State. And all these little things that just get brought up for just no reason are just another question that has to be answered that you've already answered a dozen times because it's a question that gets asked a thousand times before a kid commits. Are you are you there? Are you staying there? And and now you have to just do it again in the middle of the season when you're trying to win a national championship. It's more just a, a nuisance than it is anything else but obviously schools have to use it i'm sure ohio state if if uh you know kirby smart was getting ready to or being linked to the patriots job they would be calling guys like troy bowles five-star <laughs> linebacker yeah. and be good hey, just so you know we have heard this is a possibility so i get it it's just just a pain in the butt that they that you have to deal with the changes to like, first it was the recruiting calendar and that changed the coaching carousel yeah. calendar and that these repercussions i mean it's just crazy what we're dealing with with you know, five, is it five bill, five power, five openings that are already open by the middle of, of October. Is like, that right? I mean, five? Arizona yeah. State, Colorado, Colorado Nebraska, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Uh, there's, some, there's one more. Somebody else got fired. Yeah. That doesn't matter. You got canned. Who's America. been canned, America? <laughs> America Can who, who else got canned? Yeah, you'll, you'll let us, a, remind us in the, in the comments on, th- on Thursday morning. <laughs> we won't have time to remember ourselves until then. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is Thursday morning. What am I talking about? Yeah, that's right. Um, I just had breakfast. Like, uh, hypoth- if the short list was correct, that Tony Alford was on there at Colorado, he would definitely want to be involved in that search. But he has seven games to coach here. He would st- obviously be staying through the playoff. Like, some he wouldn't even be an ideal fix for Colorado if they were trying to get things signed to have a signing class by December and patch up that program. Like. That's the other sort of factor here of how good the Ohio State assistants have it. They're probably going to be coaching into the middle of January. They have really good players here available. And it's not to say that none of them have ambitions elsewhere, but they're not the sort of candidates that would fit to go fill a Power 5 vacancy on short notice. They're not going to leave here. And Ohio State, Gene Smith, I've had this conversation with him and how he's changed over the 12 years now that I've been covering this program where initially there was great resistance towards we're not even going to pay coordinators a million dollars. Assistance, get out of here. That's not ever going to happen. And you look at year over year, the way that they're compensating these coaches, it is to prevent situations like this where an offensive coordinator job, um, and you'd say historically, just for the hypothetical, that the Notre Dame offensive coordinator job, well, that's a pretty good job. That would be a step up from a position coach. Well, you give a title, you give more responsibility, and you give nearly a million dollars. So there's almost nobody else, nowhere else in the country that can match the salaries that they're making like Tony Alford is making more uh, as the running backs coach here than to be the head coach at Kent State. More, think about that. They used to be, all right, these, these assistants are going to leave because they, they want to be head coaches. Well, they're going to go to the MAC. They're, they're going to do that there. They're going to go to the Sun Belt. Why? You're going to take a, uh, a 
pay cut to go do that? Yeah, it's unnecessary now. And I, I think more and more, maybe coaches are being a little more pragmatic about that. Think back to like when Chris Ash left here to go coach at Rutgers. I'm, I'm sure quite a few people told Chris Ash, like, hey, maybe don't do that. Um, <laughs> I, I know that the head coach at Ohio State at the time was very adamant saying, are you sure this is what you want right, to do? Right, right. Um, and it's maybe the opposite with Jeff Hathley to go to BC. I know like Ryan Day thought very highly of that job when Jeff Hathley went there. So um, I think coaches are better about picking their spots for sure. The money helps that. I just don't know, like Colorado, for example, just seems like a little bit of a mess. And like, if you're, if you're Tony Alford, I guess you'd want to take your shot at being a head coach after being passed up so many times. Cause I, I think he should be a good, uh, should be a head coach that should be getting more opportunities than he's been getting. But what's that job going to pay three, three million, two and a half million. You're going to maybe like double or one, 1. 1.5 X his salary to go deal with that headache when for two years, you can just keep cruising here and wait it out and wait, 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 wait for something better. So, um, I just don't, I, I think sometimes we, we look at these moves as being obvious and they're really not. And it's also a, a matter of just synergy here at Ohio state. The staff is not the same. I was talking to you about bill before, you know, we started recording this, like in 2018, Alex Grinch, I got a phone call at the midway point of the first quarter when we were at Purdue in 2018 from a guy who covered Oklahoma saying, hey, do you hear Alex Grinch took, is taking the Oklahoma job? And I was like, what Oklahoma job? He's like, the defense coordinator. I'm like, they, they don't need a defense coordinator. He's like, well, he's taking the job. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and and you, we knew there was some discord happening here at Ohio State and some disconnect between Greg Schiano and, and Alex Grinch. And mm, the, it always the, comes back to Greg Schiano. And the roles that those guys had here. <laughs> But that's not the case right now. This is a, a coaching staff that is very, very content in what they're doing. Everybody has a, a role. There's no one that is just sort of out in left field or a duplicate coach or a guy that's just, you know, carrying around books for, for Greg Schiano. It's not the same thing. Like, he's not getting Greg Schiano's coffee at this point. So I just, I just don't buy into this needing to be a discussion right now. But as we said, like, this is 2022. The, the coaching carousel moves way up because everyone's now trying to get proactive when it comes to recollecting a recruiting class. Tony Alford's not leaving Ohio State to go to Colorado tomorrow. And even if they offered him the job, it's not something that I, I don't think he would be able to earnestly say, yep, I'm doing it, and walk away from a national championship contending team or Berm keeps, but, but I don't think he will get off of the job. Erm keeps telling us not to talk about it, but we have seven days of podcasts a week. So yeah, we have to. If, yeah, I just don't. I don't. I don't believe it's. I, mean? I don't believe it's worth our breath to to deep deep dive into it. But I also understand that it's out there, and you have to see it. And again, his name keeps getting linked to this stuff for a reason. You want to give people a little inside baseball into how coaches' names get on coaching wish list yes. lists. So it's not through LinkedIn. It is not. It is not. Tony Alford did not post his uh, resume on LinkedIn and be like, looking for Power 5 head coaching opportunity. Uh, Even assistant coaches have agents. It is the job of these agents to make sure that uh, their their clients are mentioned. And well compensated. For opportunities like this. And it's not necessarily always so that they get that job. It may be so that they can keep the current job that they have and make more money doing that. Now, I'm not saying that that's exactly what's happened here with Tony Alford. I know that didn't happen with Brian Hartline in this case because he wasn't on a list for a job that wasn't available. But (laughs) I would suspect, in this case, Tony Alford's agent said, well, they're looking for some people. They want to tie... Now, there's two ways they can go about it, actually. One, 
His reporter's throwing darts. Okay, this guy's from the Colorado region. Uh, he you know, has been coaching for a long time. He's very successful. He's done this and that. He'd be familiar. He'd be a good fit. Uh, you know, knows Urban Meyer. Yeah. Uh, go through that list. So and, and reporters put together a list where they're just throwing darts to try and get some interest initially. They're not based on who athletic directors are looking at on their secret list in their drawer that they pull out. The other part is agents reaching out to uh, potentially uh, willing, friendly outlets that want to hear and say, hey, we think this guy uh, might be a good fit right there. He'd be interested if if uh, Colorado calls him. Like Maybe just uh, slide that name on in there on the <laughs> list for you. Those are the two sort of ways that this happens on day one because you don't actually have a true list of candidates that you're attacking on October, what's today? Well, that, yeah, that's the ridiculousness of this entire thing. A guy loses his job what's on tomorrow? Sunday. <laughs> a guy loses his job on Sunday at two thirty-two p.m. and at two thirty-four, a national media guy saying, "This is the list for like that's not and how Mike this, Leach is on that list. This is <laughs> this is not how it works. And the the simple truth is, if we're gonna just keep diving into Colorado's head coaching job, which I feel like we should, if they're looking this, for, <laughs> if, this is what you came for, America. If Welcome they're the looking, if they're looking for. <laughs> A former running back with Colorado ties. Who, It'll Eric, probably be Eric B. Enemy. Enemy the, I was going to say Terrell Davis. <laughs> also, great choice. Uh, Eric Enemy played. <laughs> Eric Enemy played at Colorado, uh, and is the offensive coordinator for the best offense in the NFL. So, and they've interviewed him and before like, and offered him four million dollars a year to come back home. So, so like, uh, that's the guy you go after if you're yeah. really trying to do this. And we, I'm done talking about that. Anything else about the, this weekend's game against Michigan State, the Spartans, that we should be discussing? Let's 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 do the uh, the worries. What's your biggest oh the biggest worries. concern for Michigan State uh, and Ohio State? What's the one area you think Michigan State can exploit the Buckeyes, Bill? Uh, America, if you're listening to this, you can fast forward to the 16 minute mark. It's uh, <laughs> too late now. Too Shoot, late now. I will insert <laughs> this friends, at the beginning. Tell your friends to fast forward to this point. Fast if, forward. If they don't care about the Colorado head coaching job. <laughs> um, Probably the thing we've talked about a couple times already. It's it's whether or not they can exploit some deficiencies at cornerback, um, especially if Ohio State is going into this game undermanned yet again. And we don't know if Cameron Brown's going to play. Yeah, should have Denzel Burke and J.K. Johnson and Jair Brown. And beyond that, we don't we don't really know. Um, it's been okay. Like I, I don't I don't mean to talk about the position in a way that that makes it seem like it's been a total liability for Ohio State this year because I don't think it has. But this, to me, feels like the first time they're playing a team that could actually do a little damage if, in fact, it is a liability or something maybe we're underselling a little bit. So that'd be my fear. It's just if, if Michigan State can put together enough of those 50-50 kind of chunk plays down the field to keep it closer with Ohio State than you might expect. I think this is a huge test for Quinn Temple. If uh, the Buckeyes haven't been on the road yet, when did he book these hotel reservations? Did he get a oh boy? Did he get Quinn Temple is Ohio State's football operations director. For those of you, uh, did he make a reservation for enough buses? Are all those buses properly gassed up with the right amount of pressure in the tires? Where did he get the pregame meal from? Because you How don't want, you don't want Fizzoles. to. Yeah. Well, then then you would have a real problem with freshness being ready if you're going Fazoli's. For a remember, Friday night meal, remember Dewan Jones at Nebraska last year. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You want to make sure that you order from the right 
reliable restaurant. So I you, think that you can't have a Jordan flu game situation. Uh, I would be worried a little bit just about Michigan State. Is, why is he interrupting my very serious Rutgers, analysis? This guy's talking about bubble guts, and you're trying to talk about football. <laughs> Rutgers did a nice job putting pressure on C.J. Stroud and kind of hurrying up his clock a little bit. Michigan State, while I, I know that they are not playing particularly well defensively, they they have a defensive end that's you know one of the leaders in the country in sacks. Four of them were in week one against Western Michigan, mm-hmm. so take that with a grain of salt, I guess. But you know they're going to try to come after the quarterback, and um, they can't beat Ohio State in man-to-man situations. They can't get, they can't allow themselves to try to like play the soft zone because Ohio State will run the ball right through there. So I think they're going to have to just go bubble guts, pressure, pressure, pressure. <laughs> he didn't want to say it. Yeah, I didn't want to say it. I think you have to go pressure, pressure, pressure. And so I guess I, we've seen Ohio State's passing offense be a touch out of sync the last two weeks. And if Travion Henderson can't go and you have to rely on, on Mayan Williams for 30 carries, maybe you, you have a tighter game than, than we would think. But that's about really the only area I'm concerned concerned. Do you think it could look like – remember the, the 2020 game here against Indiana where it was like a kitchen sink game for Indiana? They blitzed like yeah. 75% of the time. I think it has to be. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they have to. I, I don't think there's any other way for Michigan State to affect C.J. Stroud or the offense enough if you don't do that. If you sit back and let the Buckeyes pick you apart, even the last two well, I we- thought you said earlier in the week you thought teams were just going to sit back and I, I, I don't think that you can this week because they've watched Ohio State even last week when Rutgers – ran the clock down to five seconds before they snapped the ball every time, playing that that soft cover two. Mm-hmm. Ohio State still scored 49 points and scored on seven of their first nine possessions, and they will score a lot yeah. of points. And I, I think you have to force them into mistakes, and that sort of defense is not going to force mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's, the, the, yeah. that's it. That's been my feeling. I don't think it's practical for teams, if they're actually trying to pull off an upset against Ohio State, to just let, the, let it, a team that is now content, or more content than they were, to run the football down your throat, like you're just going to bleed out. Yeah. Like if you want to try and win the game, especially now that the defense is there to match the rushing attack, like that's the dangerous combo. I, I think if you don't try to create a turnover, you're you don't have a chance. And that's why I don't really think that this thing is going to continue on with sitting back in in shell coverage and, and yeah. forcing Ohio State. Like I, th- I don't think teams can do that. I think the teams that have better athletes on defense will take some chances. Sure. Michigan yeah. State, despite the fact that their numbers are very, very poor, they do have better athletes than we've seen uh, with Rutgers and Wisconsin. And, um, uh, you know, maybe uh, Arkansas State, I think defensively had some good athletes good on idea, their team. Yeah. Um, SEC transfers. Yeah, so I mean, I think that you're going to just see those guys take some shots at <laughs> Cedar Strike. Well, that was some actual football talk for you. Mm-hmm. Just mixing it in. Yeah. Huh. I just don't want to spend so much time talking about Freaking coaches. It's October. Coach. Hey, coach. Okie doke. Well, we, I won't do it again, Berm. We've covered it now. We won't have to come back to it because we did it on a podcast daily in October. And whatever we say now just stands. All right. Thank goodness. You good? All right. We're done with that. That's Bill <laughs> Berm. This has been the podcast daily uh, for Thursday of Ohio State at Michigan State Week. A lot more coverage coming your way. The lightning round uh, will be streamed live on the podcast YouTube channel. That'll be around 1250. And uh, we've got a couple more things, of course, as we uh, start heading the road up to East Lansing on Saturday. We will see you then.